0: All right, we're in a series entitled Art of War. And we're talking about how all of us as believers are in a battle. And last week we talked about the three enemies of our soul the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we have found through God's word that He has given us instructions uh, in this and for this warfare. So I want to just take you to Ephesians chapter number six. In verse 10 it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present Darkness against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Put on the full armor of God, and he says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against, and then he goes through the list of spiritual adversaries that we're facing. So I want you to just catch from the outset something really interesting. He says, We wrestle not against but we wrestle against. Notice what he does there. He says, what we're wrestling, he says this, we're not wrestling this group, we're wrestling that group. In other words, he's trying to get the church of Ephesus to understand, don't get in the wrong fight. Somebody say that with me, don't get in. Paul is letting them know that we're going to we're going to fight. Opposition is to be expected. But he knew that we have a human tendency to fight with the wrong thing. He says, "Don't wrestle against flesh and blood." Flesh and blood, my brothers and my sisters. He's saying Naturally, we're going to want to fight each other. The enemy is going to be so insidious in that he is going to make me think my adversary is you. And he's saying that the fight is not with who you can see. The fight is with who you can't see. We oftentimes will fight with coworkers and family, employers and ex-spouses churches, pastors, politicians, so we fight and we argue and we debate and we disagree. When a moment comes that we feel offended by a friend or a family member, we immediately say it's they are at fault, they wronged me, they've always had it out for me. Come on somebody. You pick up your phone, you call your mama, that's the rhythm, that's the system. It's like we spoke last week that that the devil cannot push a door open. He does not have legal access into our lives until we open the door for him to come into our lives. Could it be that the enemy could be using a moment of offense to have access into your life? So we never stop to think that the enemy could be trying to influence this to cause division. It's just them. They are wrong, they're the devil. Am I helping anybody? We don't agree with the pastor or the church. I don't know how this one ended up in here. I just put it in here. It must have been the Holy Ghost just moving my fingers like this. I just, I was asleep and the Holy Ghost kept typing. I don't know. But people will get upset and they'll say the church doesn't care. That pastor is selfish. We cause division in the small group. And then we get on the phone and call our mama. That's the next one. Never stopping to think that the enemy could be using a moment of misunderstanding. Or where sometimes where there's scuffles in life and tough moments that the enemy could be trying to use an open door to get into our lives. Am I, I feel like I'm preaching a little bit too early in the message, I'm not sure. What Paul is trying to help us understand is the enemy is not who I'm looking at. My enemy is not in this room today. Come on, church people, amen me right there. I know. Some of you are like, no, I got a few. Well, you shouldn't, you shouldn't. Get the altar, get life right, because you shouldn't have enemies in the house of God We have people you don't care for. I'm sure we all got a couple of them, but we have nobody. We don't got enemies among each other. My enemy is not another race. My enemy is not the government. My enemy is not the neighbor down the street. My enemy is what I cannot see. I do not fight flesh and blood, but I fight the thing that's influencing flesh and blood, I feel like I'm helping you this morning. I'm not sure we're there yet. Somebody say, fight with me. He's trying to clarify to the readers, we can't get in the wrong fight. We fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against rulers of wickedness and darkness. And When he talks about the word wrestle, I'll just give you some context here when he talks about the word wrestle. In the time of this writing, the people of Ephesus would have understood the Greek word that he used to wrestle. At that time in the Roman culture, it was a very intense, there were many forms of wrestling, but there were several that were very intense. One form of wrestling and fighting uh, they were, that they had at the time is that they were very tolerant of anything imaginable. They would break fingers, break ribs, gouge out eyes, knocking out teeth, and so forth. There were basically no rules. In fact, if you study the history of wrestling in the Roman culture, there was a quote that was often, that was read many times, said many times among the people. It was this, if you should hear that your son has died, believe it. But if you hear that he has been defeated and retired, do not believe it, because More died in the sport of wrestling than ever surrendered or were defeated. Paul was using this word wrestling to let them know that this is a life or death fight. That there's no days off. There's no vacations. He's using imagery to to help them understand and to convey the seriousness of what they're dealing with. You're just not wrestling with a bad day. The Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Every opportunity the enemy has in your life to kill, to steal, or to destroy, he's going to try to take. So we have obligation to understand that we are not wrestling just with a bad hair day. We're fighting with someone who wants to kill our faith. We're fighting with somebody that wants to destroy the church of God. We're fighting with somebody who wants to take our kids away and destroy our lives and our nation and our spirits. We're not dealing with just a bad moment. We're fighting something evil. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle against Flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I won't spend a lot of time here. What Paul is trying to do, he's trying to convey more imagery. The the words that Paul uses in the Greek, and to oversimplify this, is military terms, showing that there are different sized demons and warfare where we cannot see. They're not copy and paste little demons. There are principalities. And if you study the word principalities, it actually means areas or regions. Think principalities, think municipalities. Think regional spirits that fight for a city. That's why you can go to a city that seems to be fighting one particular spirit of poverty. I believe there are principalities of poverty. I believe that there are principalities of racism. I believe according to what we see in the word of God, that there are principalities fighting for regions and I'll prove it to you. Jesus went to cast the devil out of the man in the, in, in the uh, Gadarenes and the man said to him, the demon spoke out of him and said, suffer us not to leave the region. We don't wanna leave the area, we'll go into the pigs but don't let us leave, the, we'll leave the man, but we won't leave the place. There are principalities over regions and cities and communities, and if you don't believe it, I'm telling you, the word of God is letting us know that there are strongholds over communities and places, and, and, and is this too heavy for a Sunday? Goes on to say, cosmic powers, darkness, working his way down to foot soldiers. Just just helping us understand that there are many different types of spiritual opposition that we are fighting with. And he lets them know, he says, if you're going to do this fight, if you're going to do this, verse 13 says, you got to take up the whole armor of God. Not parts of it, not some of it. Every part of the armor is good for warfare. He goes, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Verse 14, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Everybody say the belt of truth. Now, a couple, I actually think it was first Wednesday, Um, before I preached, I realized I had forgotten my belt. And I don't know if you're like me, but I can't do anything without a belt on. I feel like everything's falling off, everything's coming off, everything ain't fitting right. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so I called Pastor Josiah, said, man, I need a belt. And I didn't, he's a tiny little guy. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I didn't realize either... Either I've gotten larger since I've moved here, which I'm not saying can neither confirm nor deny that, but I put that belt on and the very last hole, I was like, "Mm." a belt keeps everything in place. It's a sign of order, keeps your pants up, keeps your shirt tucked in, Paul is letting them know that if you're going to win a spiritual battle, you need the belt of truth. Paul is wanting them to know that before we go fighting, before an arrow is ever shot, before we ever interact with our adversary, we're going to need to wear the belt of truth. Roman soldiers at the time, Paul wrote this letter in prison. They believe he could have been looking at a Roman soldier while writing this letter. He writes this letter and while he's writing it, everybody understands what the Roman guard looked like and the belt, according to history, was the first thing that the Roman soldiers put on because the belt, everything else connected to it. It was the centerpiece. It it stabilized the rest of the armor. If you didn't have a belt on, the breastplate could move. If you didn't have a belt on, the leg armor that connected to it would not be secure. So the belt secured everything. Paul is letting them know from the beginning that truth holds everything together. We're living in a time where everyone has a truth, my truth, your truth. Some feel that they wanna live a life that expresses certain values, and if you were to question it, you're assaulting their truth. The more you watch and read articles, there are opinions that are everywhere. Research is conflicting Medical experts change their minds every single year. Am I allowed to eat this now? Okay, now it's going to kill me again. Our culture has been asking the same question that Pilate asked that day to Jesus. What is truth? What is truth? One biblical thinker said the greatest battle in the world is the battle for the truth because the truth is the most important thing in the world. It is the truth of God that saves us, changes us, and directs us. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Paul's letting them know you cannot fight in this battle if you do not have the foundation of truth in your life. It's been going on since the beginning God tells Adam and Eve in the garden, remember this? He says, don't eat of the tree. And when the serpent comes in and has an interaction with Eve, immediately what happens is, he says, did God really say? The enemy comes out and begins to question truth. Destabilizing the rest of the armor. Just just messing up the foundation of her ideas about God did God really say? He gave her the right to question God, thus causing the belt of truth to waver. The thing about truth is that it's not based on what you feel or what you think to determine if it's true. True is objective outside of you and I. It is something that sets the standard. It is something that is defined by his word. What does God say about the matter? That's truth. You know, what's funny is, and and I don't know if my dad will watch this, but I'm gonna just talk to you about my dad for a minute. If he watches this, I don't care. But let me tell you something about my dad. Up home, there's a doctor. I've only had one doctor my entire life. Now, I've had to use other doctors from here and there, specialty things. But one family physician, his name, we call him Dr. O. And he has been my doctor since I was like two weeks old. He's been taking care. And so if I'm in Ohio, which I've only lived here, I haven't had any time to find any family physician. But he has been my family doctor. When I lived a couple hours from him, I would go. And if I was ever sick, he's been my doctor forever. Because I like him because he's very honest. Like, very honest. I don't need you to put a bunch of butter on the biscuit. Just tell me if I'm sick. Tell me what I need to take. Tell me how long I need to take it, and I'll see you later. Like that simple, clean, let's go. Dr. O, that's his style. He'll look at you. He'll say, hey, you've, uh, you've put on some weight. You need to lose it. Yes. My kind of doctor. Just tell me what I need to hear. Come on, somebody say amen. I feel a little alone <laughs> He will look at you and say, hey, listen, you know, you got to get exercising. Last time I saw you, you were 20 pounds lighter. What's going on? Just that direct. Well, me and my mom and my other brothers said, we all like Dr. O. But my dad, he don't like Dr. O. And I asked dad one day, he stopped going to see Dr. O. He picked a new family doctor, breaking family tradition. We all like to be assaulted by Dr. O. Dad says, "I, I don't not go to Dr. O no more." I said, "Dad, why not?" He says, "I don't like what he says." <laughs> I was like, "But is it, is it true what he says?" Well, I mean, it's just how he says. It. I don't like what he says." So I got another doctor. and the new doctor he's got. I was like, Dad, what do you like about, well, he's just so much nicer. He don't say those things. He don't point out things like that. And I'm like, so you don't like the truth, so you switch doctors. Doesn't negate the fact that it's still true. But we he picks a doctor that doesn't challenge him, doesn't speak to things that need to be spoken to. And I can see a lot of that happen in our life today that if we don't like certain things, we switch churches, switch pastors, we don't go to that family reunion no more, we just switch the doctor. Because we need someone who won't speak to things We don't want every. and I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not sure I always like to hear the truth. Come on, let's be real. We don't always like to be challenged with truth, but the truth of the matter is, if we're going to fight the enemy, we got to be foundational in truth. Stop switching doctors and picking people who affirm what we like who won't speak to what needs to be spoken to. I'm really worried as the church continues to go forward is that we have less and less people in the pulpit saying the hard thing because the hard thing doesn't build the church. But I've said it to you over and over again. I feel the temptation sometimes to smooth the edges and not say it and don't irritate them. You got to fill the seats. You got to impress the community. But my thing is I've got to stand before God. And when I stand before him, I want him to say, well done. You said what you needed to say to who needed to hear it when they needed to hear it. And if they switch doctors, so be it. But if you want to hear the word of God rightly divided, I hope to God it's this guy right here that will just preach the word in season, out of season. First Timothy 3.15 so that if I'm delayed, Paul says that you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of the truth. The church should be the place where people are strengthened in truth. It should, when you come to church, your, your belt should get a little tighter, get a little more confident, get a little more stabilized. Ready to fight another battle. Because when you come to church, the church should be dispelling truth. A lot of times people think the church should only dispel love. Let me mess with your theology. Here it comes. A lot of people just think the church is just love. Jesus said, actually, John chapter 1 verse 17 says that Jesus came by grace and truth. The church needs both love and truth. Hear me today that we need to be a church of love and not a judgmental spirit and a place where all of us are equal at the foot of the cross. The church is the perfect place for imperfect people and we're glad you're here because we're all screwed up. Can I get a big yes? But it's not just that. We also need to be a church that speaks the truth. We want you to come as you are, but we ain't gonna stay as we are. We're growing and and, and learning and being changed, as the old church used to say. We're being sanctified. We're learning his word and becoming more and more Christ-like. But we need the truth in the house of God. Paul was letting them know. And if you read it in the King James, this is what's interesting, and I I don't want to get off topic, but he says to gird your loins about with truth. When he refers to loins, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) He's referring to reproduction. One scholar says that we need to have the belt of truth because we cannot raise a generation that doesn't know the truth. We cannot raise our children to not know the principles of God's word, or his church, or his kingdom. They can know a whole lot of stuff in culture, but I want you to know today, we need to build a church that's tight on the bell so that we know that our children are learning the truth. Here's the, here's the second one. The breastplate of righteousness. This was the heaviest piece of armory or weaponry that the Roman soldier war, and at times it could weigh in excess to 40 pounds. Now the Bible lets us know that Christ makes us righteous, but I wanna make it even simpler today that righteous is simply right living. When we live a life that honors God, prioritizes the things of God, the scripture is letting us know that we're wearing the breastplate when we go into battle in spiritual warfare. Proverbs 13:6 says righteousness guards the person of integrity. Right living guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Simply simply this, right living protects your life. Right here today I have a I have a bulletproof vest. Have bulletproof. In fact, I'm going to put it on. Can you help me, Kirk? I don't want to mess this up. Come here, Kirk. The whole church is looking at you. Just help me out. Let's just, I got that wire. Look at this. Perfect. Did you get to? The... Well, I got to breathe a little bit, cowboy. Oh, can we loosen it an inch? <laughs> Jeez. All right, there we go. Thank you. Give it up for Kirk, everybody. Now, I, I was going to send a picture to my mom and dad. They're like, this is how bad it's gotten in Columbus.
1: <laughs>
0: got to preach with one of these babies on. Huh? <laughs> That's not funny. Stop laughing. In talking with Kirk, this is his vest, he told me that the vest gives a sense of security when you're in the heat of battle. That when you are in warfare, this, this, like the breastplate of righteousness, protects vital organs. When we are in battle, we have, by right living, the ability to protect Parts of us that if they are harmed could kill us. When you you actually read on bulletproof vests or bullet resistant vests, they will say things, I thought this was interesting, that there's actually expiration dates for these. I didn't know that, expiration dates. Can I just say this? A lot of people can say I went to church 10 years ago so I got it, no, 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 no. Well, I was a deacon at a church seven years ago and I know the Bible and I read it through one time. No, I'm talking about are you currently right living to protect your organs from the assailant? Come on, am I talking to anybody? When I'm living a life that honors God, I'm protected. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says, to guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life to guard your heart above all else. Proverbs 23 says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So I can look at your life, it's a reflection of the contents of your heart. So if I were the devil and I was in battle with you, I would go for your heart, because I don't have to mess your kids up. If I can mess your heart up, you'll mess your kids up. I, I, don't need to, I don't need to get to your church or your small group and sit in the room with a pitchfork and horns. All I gotta do is get to your heart to be divisive and bitter, and you will sour the small group If I were the devil, that's that's what I would do. I would go break somebody's heart because then they'll have a broken life. I, I I would hurt somebody's heart so that they live a hurt life. I would offend somebody's heart so they can live a bitter, mean, cold life. I believe with everything today that we have to guard our hearts it didn't say guard your phone above all else. It didn't didn't even say guard your children above all else. It didn't say guard your church above all else. He said, put on the breastplate of righteousness and make up in your mind that my heart is too important. This is too, this is too important. You know, the Bible teaches that our heart becomes hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Right living makes our heart pliable, makes our heart tender and gives us protection. But wrong living makes our heart hardened and we become exposed to the attacks of the devil. I'm just trying to help you today. Many of us are trying to rebuke the devil out of our lives when we are not living right. He's welcomed in anyway. Have you ever seen somebody in their home? Well, let's not use people. Let's just, let's use an illustration here. Let's (laughs) let's think this through before I say it, which is not always common. (laughs) If I were in my house and I had trash in my house, just trash everywhere, bags of trash, cups, food, whatever, and then mice and roaches, and fleas all come into my house? Do you think the wise thing to do would be like, we gotta catch all these mice. We gotta catch every flea and every fly. and We gotta get them out of our house. In the name of Jesus, get on out of this house. You know what I'm saying? We call the preacher up, we get the oil, we, we got to get these things out of our house. But really, everything changes when you take the trash out the house. If I don't take the trash out, take the mice out, the mice are coming back for the trash. But if I live a life where I'm taking out the trash, I will have a life that's protected from the mice. Am I helping anybody? I'm protecting my heart protecting my lungs, protecting my liver, protecting, walking with the breastplate of righteousness. I feel like I've put on 30 pounds since I've been up here. In 1606, and in closing, I'll tell you this, in 1606, a tree was planted, and it grew to be 240 feet high. It was the first of the sequoias to fall in this particular region in over 100 100 years. The Forest Service did not, or did an investigation to find out what would have made this massive tree fall. There had been no windstorms, no fires, no floods, no lightning strikes, no animals, insect damage, nothing. What they found was that it was foot traffic. They determined that the collection, or the collected foot traffic around the base of the tree over the years Had damaged the root system. And the park rangers decided to institute a policy of placing fences around some of the oldest trees, quote, to keep the public from trampling the root systems of these giants. Here's here's the principle what we do not guard becomes susceptible to be damaged. Just too close of access, people walking around, damaging the root system. Many of us today are walking around without the breastplate of righteousness. And we're opened to the trampling of the root system. Could be relationships, could be behaviors, could be something we do, could be things we're we're doing, places we're going, people we're connecting with, thoughts we're having, But the breastplate of righteousness is down and this 240 foot tree falls down, not because of lightning or because of wind, but because of too much activity, too close to a foundational place. And if we're not careful, men and women fall, marriages can fall. Families can fall. Teenagers can fall. Because the enemy, he knows if I can get to that root system, the Bible says to guard your heart, for it determines the course of my life. If I can get to the heart, I can determine its direction and destroy everything. I don't want that to be your story, I don't want that to be my story. The enemy so badly wants to, you and I to take off the, the breastplate and live susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. But what if today you made up in your mind, not, not in my life, not in my kids, not in my home, not in my marriage, not in my family, out of my life. Can I get a big amen, somebody? Are you thankful for the word of God today? I don't know if I can get this off. Come here, Kirk, one more time. We'll make this awkward, make everybody watch us. I was going to wear it, but then I was like, thank God for law enforcement. Amen, everybody. You know, just when I walked over there, I saw Will standing there. Mr. Hutcherson, I'm talking about you. That's your name, right? Am I missing his name up? Tyler, that's right, I knew that. He's like, me? Yeah, Will, you. (laughs) You don't have to be here today. I mean, I know know some things, and we've talked, and and what your family's been through it'd be so easy to not wear that and the enemy go for your heart of brokenness and pain and situations and just be hard i can go around the room and pick out people who you've shared with me stories of like you wouldn't really be here today if that breastplate wasn't on like pastor Tommy you guys wouldn't be here today i mean you could have quit you could have gave up you could have thrown the towel in the past but you said you know what I just believe that I can get back up. I can can put my boots back on. I can stabilize my life and say, you know what? Here's the thing, the enemy, what he's meant for evil. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's one of my favorite verses. I declare that almost every day. No weapon formed, try to hit me with your best shot. Discouragement won't prosper. Depression won't prosper. Anger won't prosper because I'm walking and I know who my enemy is. I'm not fighting against flesh and blood. I'm fighting against that that darkness that's trying to discourage me and pull me out of this thing. And just like you, try to pull you out of your marriage. And once you realize who the enemy is, You won't fight with your wife and fight with your kids and fight with the employer. You'll say, "You no, 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 you're not coming again. You've tried to throw me off. You made me think it was that person and this person and that individual. But I got my eye on you now, and you ain't going to take my family or my life as for me and my house. No weapon formed against me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I tell you today, devil, we serve you an eviction notice and say you have no right in my mind or my family because I'm walking with the full armor of God. Come on, put your hands together. And give God a praise. You can stay standing eyes closed if you don't know Jesus today the greatest decision you could ever make is to say yes to Jesus you've been fighting a battle that you are not equipped to win and Jesus is saying to you today do not leave this church without me and all over the room whether you've said yes to Jesus in the past and you've drifted away or you've never said yes to Jesus before in your life I want to all of us pray together this simple prayer say father forgive me of my sins Wash me clean with your blood. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Make me a new person. Put on the whole armor of God. Make me a new man, a new woman. My best days are ahead in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. Father, I declare over this congregation today that they will put on the belt of truth, that they will make up in their mind that we do not waver. We are strong and we are stable. We ain't switching doctors. We we wanna be stable in what you say about the matter. We are ready to go to battle when we are stable in truth. And God, the, the other one, the breastplate of righteousness, that we are going to live a right life, a life that honors you, a life that protects our organs, a life that protects our heart, the life that keeps us safe and healthy. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, I speak protection over homes, protection over faith, protection over people, protection over their children, protection over their minds. We believe it today in Jesus' name. If you're one of the people that say, I wanna fight, Come on, let's raise our hands. Let's clap our hands. Come on, let heaven know I'm still fighting. I'm still fighting. I'm still, you thought you had me down, but I'm still fighting. Oh, I felt that. There's somebody in the room that you came to church today and you said, I'm just going to go one more time. Can I tell you today, you just beat the devil. You showed up and faith is encouraging you. And strength's coming back and worship is coming back. I pray that I prophesy strength coming, faith coming, healing coming, hope coming in the name of Jesus. If you believe it, come on, put your hands together. Give God a big
1: praise. My voice and shout hey. everyone.